Welcome to the DLA Piper Global Compliance and Investigations podcast. In this series, we will discuss market and legal insight and explore the latest trends and challenges facing businesses today and how they must evolve to meet them, both in the short and long term. In each episode, you get the latest views and insights from DLA Piper's leading lawyers. Hello, I'm Adam Vores, your podcast host for this episode of the Global Compliance and Investigations podcast. I'm a partner at DLA Piper based in Dubai. I am also one of the co-chairs of our Global Compliance and Investigations group. We're recording today's episode during DLA Piper's Africa Week, a series of events bringing together global and regional businesses, financiers, investors, policymakers and thought leaders for, hopefully, an insightful and honest debate about some of the key issues shaping Africa's prospects for growth. I'm pleased to say I'm joined today by three colleagues. Firstly, Nana Frimpong, who's a partner in DLA Piper USA, based in Atlanta. She's also the US representative on DLA Piper Africa's board. Nana, welcome. Perhaps we'll just kick off by asking you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your experience and your current areas of focus. Great. Thank you for that, Adam. I am, as you mentioned, a U.S.-based lawyer. Uh, I have a global investigations practice, including a particular focus on the African continent. Yeah, I have over 15 years or so of experience conducting what are, you know, sensitive investigations, uh, both on the private sector side, as well as uh, during my time as a federal U.S. federal prosecutor uh, on the public side. And as you referenced, I'm the U.S. representative to the DLA Piper Africa Board, but also effectively leading our firm's U.S. Africa Initiative, which aims to more leverage our unrivaled geographic footprint in Africa to support our global and our Africa-based clients. Thanks, Nana. I'm sure we'll hear more from you on those topics as we go through this podcast. But just let me move over to introduce uh, the two of the colleagues that are joining us today uh, we're also joined by two of our Africa-based colleagues. Firstly, Pascal Moanyika, who's a senior associate in our DLA Piper Africa Tanzania office. Welcome, Pascal. Please, can you uh, briefly introduce yourself to the listeners? Thank you very much, Adam. I am Pascal Moanyika, and I'm a senior associate uh, in our Tanzania office uh, with DLA Piper Africa. I practice law in the corporate commercial department with a special focus on uh, project development, which covers uh, public-private uh, um, partnerships, uh, working in the energy space, uh, oil and gas, as well as the mining sector in Tanzania. I am very much delighted to be part of this episode of the Global Compliance and Investigation Podcast, and I'm looking forward to learning much more from my colleagues. Great. Thanks, Pascal. Again, I think that sector experience that you've got will be very insightful for some of the topics we've got to discuss during this podcast. And uh, last but by no means least, uh, welcome to Miwiwa Ogunbenro, who's a partner in our Nigeria office. Please give yourself a brief introduction to you and your practice, uh, Miwiwa. Thank you very much. And, uh, my name is Miwiwa Ogunbenro. I'm a partner and I'm the head of our litigation and um, regulatory practice in Nigeria. I represent clients in courts and before regulators in Nigeria. I've also had the opportunity to represent um, international clients um, before regulators, either before the Nigeria Economic and Financial Crime Commission or before the Nigerian police and so many other regulators uh, where we've represented Nigerian clients. 
I also specialize in investment disputes. So I've been involved in a number of um, cross-border disputes between Nigeria and mostly with the um, United Kingdom. Thank you. Thanks, Nura. I mean, hopefully the listeners will appreciate from those brief introductions. We've got a fantastic panel today to talk you through some of the key issues that we're going to focus on in terms of the themes of the podcast. As hopefully you're aware, we're going to be talking about ethics, integrity and sustainability, unlocking lasting value in Africa. It's a great and very broad topic for us to be able to talk about and hopefully we'll be able to give you some valuable insight to what people are actually seeing on the continent from those that are there practicing and living. Through this lens, we plan to look at what international companies, regulators and others are doing to encourage long-term investment and partnerships with African businesses and what more can be done. Nana, I perhaps move over to you to give some opening comments on those topics. Sure. And thanks, Adam. I mean, I think as you referenced, a pretty broad topic and so many ways in which this conversation could go. But just given the time that we have, I think, you know, sort of an initial reaction that I would share is that I think routinely, really, uh, this is a, a trend we're seeing globally, but also reflected on the continent, is this understanding that compliance and internal controls both as a focus point for regulators, but also by private companies has a real tangible effect on profitability, the broader economy. And so I think what we're seeing even at the policy level is a growing appreciation for what effectively is an opportunity cost in the economy uh, when there are compliance failures. You know, I'll just focus briefly with respect to the African continent on the incredible growth we've seen in the last uh, number of years on the growth of data protection laws. As we know from, you know, multiple instances of data breaches of large multinationals around the world, there's real risk in this space. And I think there's a real appreciation for global companies as well as Africa-based companies that this is an area of, an area that needs additional scrutiny. And so we've seen on the continent everywhere from South Africa to Rwanda to Uganda and Togo, you know, regulatory frameworks being put into place that have effectively a dual impact, right? Both protecting the local population, so the public sector focus of these laws, as well as, as I, I would argue, positioning these companies to create value. And so particularly for the tech sector, for example, to give them the space to both innovate and provide what are niche services. And one example perhaps I'll give here is that in Ghana, for example, in terms of just increased activity by the data protection regulator, they've become increasingly aggressive doing things like publishing names of individuals or entities who are deemed to be non-compliant. So I think this is really a growing trend, focusing on one particular area, a growing trend on the continent as well. Yeah, I mean, just focusing on the different jurisdictions you mentioned there, such a wide ranging uh, range of countries, but a, a real trend in terms of the developments, particularly in data protection and that focus on financial technology and the developments there. Muiwa, I'm not sure whether that resonates with anything you're seeing, particularly in West Africa or Nigeria specifically, either on the, the sectors or, or which businesses are really thriving at, uh, at the moment. Yeah, very close to what Nana has said. We've seen a number of developments, um, great development in fintech. We've seen Nigerian companies who have received investment from abroad. And um, we've seen them extend their operations beyond Nigeria into 
other African countries. So we see development all around us. And um, we've also seen a number of development by small-scale businesses who are springing up everywhere and um, open to raise finance um, internationally. And I think recently the, the government has also increased effort on um, improving exports from Nigeria into Europe and to other parts of the world because of the financial um, difficulties that is, that is going on. So there's development all around us. Um, yeah, fascinating in terms of some of the positive um, elements that are coming, certainly for your jurisdiction and, and your part of the world, from some of the, the difficulties that others are having around the world. And I just wondered whether, just trying to bring it back to the the sort of, from my perspective, the sort of the, the compliance element of this, whether you're seeing any of those companies or the, those sectors that you're talking about, or others, frankly, um, how, are you seeing them do anything to make their compliance programs stronger in West Africa and Nigeria to try essentially and attract more trade and investment? Yes. If you look at the companies that have received um, foreign investment, you see that their compliance is at another level. I mean, they, they made compliance the center of what they are doing. So the more you comply, the higher the chances of you receiving um, foreign um, investment. So many companies are improving on their efforts and the regulators to encouraging you know, we see a number of engagement with the regulators um, before issues happen, especially in the areas of data protection and um, cryptocurrencies um, and all that. So really, companies are making the effort to improve on their compliance. And at the same time, the regulators, too, they are using both the cane and the carrot, you know, to encourage people to comply. That's interesting. So we're talking there about the attempts to increase investment, but then we're also talking about the the steps that the government are taking to try and encourage that compliance. Uh, I'm just wondering whether, from the perspective of the regulators in West Africa, is there anything that they're doing specifically with regard to those types of themes that you mentioned, so integrity, ethics and sustainability? Is there anything that you can talk about, that the steps that they're taking, the regulators and the impact that that's having? Yes, generally the regulators, their aim is to protect investment and the public. Even though there have been instances where the regulators either intentionally or I'll say unintentionally, they've used their position to kind of stifle company operations. But generally the objective is to protect investment and the public. And one major thing that we've seen in the last few months or in the last one year or thereabout is that regulators are using their position to even um, settle investment disputes. We have instances where allegations are made before the regulators and regulators trying to mediate between the parties to settle the dispute. So we've seen an increased instances where the regulators are mediating dispute and cases of um, several years that are, you know, all around the world have been settled in Nigeria through the regulators. Yeah, That's fascinating. That's not something I've come across. So the regulators actively getting involved in mediating international disputes. Could you just maybe just give us an example? Obviously, you'd have to be careful with regard to client confidentiality, etc. But you might be able to share maybe an example or two of what you've actually seen, how the regulators have been getting involved in what might appear to be ostensibly a, a, a commercial dispute? 
Yeah, I think there's um one that is still, I mean, it's, it's in the public domain. The Samsung Heavy Industry Disputes is a dispute that has been raging for about five years or thereabouts. And um, we've seen them settled um, this year. And that came about because of the involvement of the of the regulators who made it, you know, their own objective as well to make sure that the industry is not or the government economy or government objectives are achieved in terms of ensuring that the dispute among the players are settled as soon as possible. So that's a very good example of what the regulators have been doing in the last few years. Yeah, really interesting. And um not something that I've seen, certainly in my experience, but you know, perhaps others have. I'm not sure, Nana, is that something that you've seen elsewhere around the world? No, nothing I've seen at all. It's it's particularly fascinating. I mean, I think, um, you know, maybe just to add to what I thought was such a salient point that Muyua was making, there is obviously a need, we know and understand, for foreign direct investment. And so for regulators to be actively involved. We can talk about sort of the merits and so forth, but but obviously have a vested interest in, in ensuring that these investments are are proceeding in a manner that would encourage further investment down the line. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly I, I can envisage situations where there would be encouragement from regulators, but actively mediating is, is something that's, that's really interesting. Pascal, maybe if we can just broaden the conversation and shift the uh, the compass over to East Africa and Tanzania and, and ask you to some, give some input that you might have on the, the businesses or the industries that are booming right now on, on your side of the continent. Yes, uh, in particular, in the few uh, last month, uh, or I would say a year or two, we have actually witnessed uh, massive growth from the uh, extractives industries and uh, that covering uh, mostly on the oil and gas industry and uh, the mining industry. We have seen uh, Tanzania, Kenya and Uganda actually collaborate in a number of things, including the ongoing uh, project, pipeline project, which would be one of the longest in the world, about 1,400 or so kilometers. But uh, most interestingly, I would say in Tanzania, perhaps the mining sector has shown massive growth from what it was in 2017. In particular, you would see this when you see big investors like BHP uh, who are conglomerates in the mining industry coming in and uh, to invest uh, on about uh, 50 million uh, US dollars. And this is about three or four years since they left Africa. But um, this time they're back and they're investing in, in, in the nickel mining. And as we know, nickel now is becoming quite a big thing in terms of alternatives and uh, we have a very big project locally. But again, if I take East Africa, you would see a lot of expansion is going on in the mining. And uh, Barrick Gold is also back in, in Tanzania to take over its subsidiary. And it has expanded now in Kenya with exploration. And it has also ex- expanded Democratic Republic of Congo. So mining and I would add on maybe agriculture and manufacturing industries Together, these are like the key drivers of the economy, mostly in in most of the uh, Eastern African countries. So in most companies that you would see big investments happening and big movement, that's where you would see from those mainly three sectors. Okay. And in regard to those sectors, what are you seeing in terms of the companies that are involved there? So extractive, agriculture, manufacturing, what are they doing 
in relation to making their compliance program stronger and trying to attract more trade and investment? Uh, For a number of years, I think compliance has been an issue in terms of these sectors, especially uh, in the mining sector. And what you would see right now is that you'd see a great engagement uh, between the ministerial level in governments all the way down to the ministerial sector specific regulators in terms of trying to avoid confrontations or litigations. And the aim, as I think Nana had uh, earlier pointed out, is foreign direct investment which is a very key aspect. And the only way to keep on working on that is to attract more uh, investment in the country. And the best way that these companies can do is to ensure compliance in these regulations and the laws. I have, of course, come across a number of um, entities that we've actually prepared legal registers, compliance registers, and you would see actually the feel that they really want to comply and do the business because it is locative and there's a lot of ground to be covered in terms of opportunities uh, here in Tanzania in particular. Uh, and what are you seeing with the regulators? Are they as active on the eastern side of, of Africa as we were hearing with the, from uh, the, the Nigerian perspective, sort of the active involvement in the regulators mediating? What's enforcement looking like on the eastern side of the continent? And, you know, have you seen any new developments in, in new legislation, for example? Well, I would say they're not as much as active as how you appointed that out. But I would say they would take another route to avoid confrontation and the likes. They would look at the possibility of making amendments to laws that are practically impossible to um, uh, actually enforce. You would find a situation whereby some companies have been forced to be public companies. And then after a number of um, months, and and then they realized that actually it is impossible to make such a company public. And then you'd find such a law not being implemented or you'd find a law in place and you don't have regulations because at the enactment of the main uh, of the parent law, they thought it would work. But on ground with the regulations, they realized that it's actually not going to work. We have um, seen a number of those. Between 2017 and uh, when we have had major amendments of the uh, mining sector until now in 2022, I would say I have never seen or come across many amendments to regulations as I've seen during this period. But yet again, regulators would prefer not to be in court. They would prefer to handle uh, negotiations, discussions, engagement uh, with uh, investors. And this again brings back the whole idea that if you want to attract more investment, you don't need to use the mighty strength that you have but and the upper hand that you have, but more of uh, engagement and trying to find a solution. Of course, we have seen yeah. situations where the regulator has been very uh, harsh, uh, but in most cases now we see a lot of changes and perception and the approach that regulators have taken towards compliance. Interesting, interesting. Nana, I wonder if I could just pass over to you to add any thoughts or comments that you might have with regard to key legislation or initiatives that you're seeing in the wider Pan-African sort of perspective with regard to attempts to encourage integrity, ethics and sustainability. What are the types of things that, that you've been seeing? Um, thanks for that. You know, very interesting to hear the perspectives from both Muyua and from Pascal. I think, you know, perhaps maybe how I'd answer that question would be less so from 
uh, sort of core. There's just such a, as you know, right, a diversity of jurisdictions on the continent. But really to touch upon, I think, what is, um, it sort of ties in very well with this discussion on, on the foreign direct investment, which I think is obviously the concern primarily from the, you know, government side, but also from the private companies, which I think Muya was referencing. They are seeking capital from abroad and there's a significant carrot there in wanting to position themselves to be the ones to receive that type of funding. And so what I, I think perhaps I would share broadly would be the ways in which developments outside of Africa having a significant impact on uh, sort of compliance and internal control discussions internally. An example would be, you know, this is somewhat recent example, but what, what the Biden administration has done in terms of elevating sort of anti-corruption, um, money laundering and sort of illicit financing as a core national security interest. Yeah. And that has an impact of both, you know, sort of additional enforcement resources or resources for enforcement authorities, but also resources on, for example, for capacity building and support at the policy level or at the governmental level, some of these sort of efforts that regulators on the continent may be engaged in. We've yet to see what the impact of that will be, but I envision that there will be a significant impact on, um, and I think that's really the aim, right, on some of the financial controls and so forth on the continent. An example that just to highlight these extra African activities and the direct impact that has on the ground is, um, you know, the intergovernmental body, the Financial Action Task Force, you know, FATF, had recently flagged various money laundering and terrorist risk failings in South Africa that led to a number of directives from the South African Reserve Bank to all banks operating in South Africa in an attempt to address what were these, you know, perceived deficiencies. And I think another sort of trend to highlight that I think, you know, really complements this sort of interchange between what's happening outside and what's happening uh, domestically on the continent is what we've seen is increased collaboration, right, by regulators on the continent with those in the UK and the US and, and others with respect to sort of significant multi-jurisdictional enforcement action. So I think really this, you know, trend that we, we've all been touching on in various ways in which compliance and internal control discussions are seen less as sort of the, you know, vegetables you need to eat um, versus seen as something actually valuable in the way in which it can position a company or a country to receive the type of investments that they're, they're seeking to receive is, I think, a definitely a trend that's growing. Yeah, and um, it's such a huge topic and there's so much we could go on to talk about, but I'm conscious that uh, we've probably outrun the listeners' attention span, so I think we're going to bring it to a close there. I'll just conclude by thanking Pascal Muiwa and Nana for their comments and just uh, Thank listeners for, for joining us today. Hopefully we've been able to share with you some of the key things to know about how to unlock lasting value in Africa. If you want to hear more about the key issues shaping Africa's prospects for growth, please register your interest in Delia Piper's Africa Week. You can find the link in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the DLA Piper Global Compliance and Investigations podcast. Subscribe now through your usual podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. Thank you, and we look forward to you joining us in the future.